0: Welcome to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen, where we help you navigate the challenges of feeding your family, and learn about the role food plays in our health and relationships. Feeding and food relationships can be stressful, confusing and even destructive. I'm Kristen Saxena, a pediatrician and mother of four who's been researching and sharing what I've learned about feeding for over 10 years. In this podcast, I'll share my experience and expertise to help our kids and ourselves with everyday survival tips for real parents. This podcast is about progress, not perfection. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Sixena, and I am very excited about today's episode. We have a special guest, Amy Polangian. She is the creator of the very popular website, yummytoddlerfood.com, as well as an author of a children's cookbook and I think a number of other e-books, e-cookbooks, and um, meal plans and other items that you make available on your website. Um, I'm super excited today because I think that this is a topic that not only has been near and dear to my heart as I've been raising my own kids, but I think uh, it's something that people are really seeking out. And so I know that your website has become very popular and I think it's because it really fulfills a need for parents. And so I'm really excited to talk to you today about sort of your adventure in terms of why you created this and how that has gone over the last few years as you've developed it, as well as, um, you know, just your own experience with, you know, toddlers in particular. Anybody who's got little kids kind of knows that they're sort of the finickiest of eaters. And so how you approach that in a manner that fits your own lifestyle and also that you feel like is something that's very useful to other families. So thanks for joining us. Before we do get started, I wanted to encourage everybody, if you're enjoying our podcast, to please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you get your podcasts. Also, I would encourage you to leave us a review as well as comments about what you'd like to see for future episodes so we can make sure and curate future topics and guests to better fit your needs. All right, so welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I wanted to first sort of ask you about how did you get here? What brought you to the creation of Yummy Toddler Food? What was your like, life like before then? And how'd you get here?
1: Sure, so I, um, my previous career was as a magazine editor. So I worked in magazines for over a decade, first in, in New York and then I moved out to Des Moines. Um, every magazine I worked for was closed. And so I like in the span of the magazine career that I loved so much, um, I worked as a food editor and a lifestyle editor and I did crafts and I was on photo shoots and traveled and it was really fun. I loved it, but the jobs kept going away and it was to the point where I could sort of tell when it was going to happen. And it was like the worst. It just was like, you'd be making this great thing. And then the pub, like the the company that owned it would be like, eh, we're done. Um, With no notice, like it would just be like one day you just lose your job. So after that happened a number of times, I was sort of just, I needed to not have that in my life. Like I wanted to do something similar, uh, producing content, being helpful, having relationships with readers, but not having this just constant worry that it was all going to disappear. And so after my and and so I was on staff and freelance sort of like off and on uh, just because of the way that it went. And then after I had my first daughter, uh, she, you know, she turned one and I felt like all the rules for feeding her sort of changed. Like it wasn't as straightforward as with feeding a baby because she had more um, opinions about things. (laughs) She couldn't quite chew like kid food. Um, and you know, there were like choking hazards were still a big concern and I wanted to make sure she was getting exposed to flavors and textures and all of those things. And at that time, so this was like nine years ago now, there really wasn't anything for this like younger set, uh, which is like kind of hard to believe now Mm because now there are a lot of resources, but then there just, there just wasn't. Mm -hmm. And so I started as a lot of, um, bloggers do as sort of a hobby. And I didn't really know what I was doing. Like fully, I had, didn't know how to use a camera. I didn't know anything about SEO. I set everything up wrong. <laughs> so for like three years, three to four years, I just sort of like did it, um, but not well. And things like sort of started getting a little traction, even though it was not done right. And there was a point at which it was like December and I remember having conversations with my family and just saying, like, this is taking so much time. Like, if I'm going to keep doing this, it needs to actually be a thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I I need to do it right. So I had my website set up correctly. I learned about having a recipe card and having Mm -hmm. schema and what SEO was. And I got an actual camera and I listened to all of the podcasts about how to be a food blogger. And I really like schooled myself for six months, and it like is sort of amazing when you do things right. Like it's 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 easier to be successful. <laughs> so um, and I think because I had this like backlog of content once it was formatted correctly, it just it worked a lot better. So it has been my full-time job now for it's like basically the same age as my son. So he is two and a half. So two and a half years. It's been my full-time job. I don't really freelance or work for anyone else, um, at the moment because there's just not, I don't really want to, and there's enough going on that I don't have to. So it's been like really amazing. Uh, I never, I didn't go into this initially with a, like a business plan. Like I I didn't know, I just had no idea. Mm -hmm. So it has been like every year I feel like I discover new opportunities and new ways to grow the brand and it's really fun somewhat overwhelming at (laughs) times uh, to sort of figure out how I want to grow and how I want to spend my time because it's just it's just me and then like I have a few people who work for me but
0: no full-time people so
1: that's it's very been, a, cool. it's been a journey. Yeah, yeah, that's
0: amazing. And congratulations. I mean, it's Thanks. cool when you can kind of follow your passion and actually figure out how to make it work. So I think that that's yeah. incredible.
1: Yeah, it's like I created the perfect job for myself, like sort of unintentionally, but kind <laughs> of on purpose. Like, like, I think if I had set out to do it, it would have been much harder. And so I'm kind of grateful that it happened like naturally the way that it did.
0: Yeah. And I think that If from my perspective as sort of someone who is observing your work or what you're doing, I think that the part of it, like you said, is you created the perfect job for you. It's so authentic. And I think that that's what comes through and I would guess that that's why you get a lot of response and a lot of success in what you do is because people can pick up on that. Like you seem real, you seem relatable and um, you kind of put the things out there, but they seem in the context of doable for your average parent. The other thing that you mentioned was kind of when you started it or when your oldest child was young, there wasn't a lot of content available like what you're doing. And that, that was kind of like my thought process as I knew we were going to chat as I thought back to not to totally date or age myself, but from when my first child was kind of entering that solid foods, like year to two year as well. And I was actually, um, in my residency, my pediatrics residency, and my husband was also doing residency. And so we had, we kind of whirlwinded when we first started, we, we got married and like, right after we graduated from med school it was all in a month we graduated med school got married moved to minnesota um you know bought a house and then you know a few months later i realized i was pregnant so we just like all of a sudden were adulting basically right, and we right. were very busy obviously as residents you're working 70 80 hours a week and so when we had our first child there was a lot of just like passing him off between the shifts and things of that mm-hmm. nature but I think it was at that point when, you know, one of my favorite things we would do together was to like cook dinner together. And so it really, at that stage of life, sort of drove home this importance of meals together and showing love through kind of feeding and cooking. Um, And obviously being in health and things like that was super important to me that we were also kind of creating healthy habits and feeding our child a healthy diet. But same thing. So once my child was kind of getting to this age where they, you know, you have to actually think about what they eat. Um, They don't necessarily accept every single thing that you eat. You know, there's that happy stage where they seem to enjoy eating. Most kids will enjoy eating everything you give them. And then you kind of get that later one to two years and even those preschool years and they start to get a little bit more finicky. And so I do remember searching, um, you know, there wasn't like Instagram and things of that nature at that time, but I do remember finding, you know, in my late nights on call, I would kind of find the, the few recipes for, or the few websites that had kind of kid friendly recipes. And those were, those were so inspiring and just sort of a godsend to me that, um, you know, now looking at something like what you've created and you make it even easier and more accessible to people. I completely understand where that fulfills a huge need for busy, especially new parents. Um, and so I think that that that's a big reason that I think that something like this just really is helpful to parents. Um, Mm -hmm so then also kind of as a mom how has has your approach changed as you've had more kids and your kids have aged yes um so
1: so my approach was different before any of my kids went to daycare Uh Uh, like when i had complete control over things i was much more adamant about the foods i was letting my kids eat um And I, and especially when you have a kid who goes to kindergarten, it's like a very humbling experience. (laughs) And you realize that, okay, actually part of my job is letting go of some of the control and helping to do whatever I can to have my child be a competent eater when they're without me. Um, And so I think, and also just learning more about intuitive eating and our remote emotional relationship with food and how when we sort of too tightly control what our kids want to eat or like how much they eat it it often and almost always has the opposite impact and so that has been like i love knowing more about that now because it's very helpful with understanding a little bit more about why kids are not always wanting what we give them and then also what to do about it mm-hmm. because the instinct is just to like make them eat it or get them to eat it and that's just not it's just not the way that it works <laughs> um so it has for sure been um a very like my outlook on food i think altogether has changed a lot and and the differences in the way that my kids eat and some experiences that good friends have had with medical issues and feeding tubes and just all of the myriad ways that kids and food sort of come together Um, but my third kiddo was like not a baby who was into food he was like not a one-year-old who was into food like it really took him a while and and I think that was a very helpful experience because he didn't really eat full meals until he was like one and a half. Like he just didn't care. Like, mm-hmm. um, And I and I think I, I think just having more of those like very firsthand experiences has just made me more empathetic and understanding
0: um, when I hear other people's stories. Totally. I can completely relate to sort of that first child and really sort of i always it's kind of like that helicopter experience where you just mm-hmm. so badly want to do a really good job that you end up maybe overextending the amount of control that you have over things and i used to actually laugh because in my pediatrics practice sometimes first time parents would come and they would first time parents just often have different levels or different kind of concerns than more seasoned parents or parents with more kids so i used to joke um people would be like well what should i do what should i do and i was like you should have a second kid that's what you should which isn't really true but i just used to laugh because yeah. they were like really well yeah. exactly because suddenly this won't worry you so much you know it really doesn't matter <laughs> But it does so much at the time. So I do love just sort of your honesty about how those experiences, like you said, when kids go to daycare and you start to give up that control and you start to think, oh my gosh, you know, they tell you about the fruit snacks or whatever you had at daycare. And at the time you're like, I can't believe it. How much sugar is in that? What came from that? Um, And then of course they eat them and they're happy and everyone lives on and they're fine. And you go, oh. Yeah, maybe I. I was. Yeah,
1: and you know the interesting thing. I think my first daycare experience, I think, completely like, it just was so eye opening. So I had a kid who was going to an in-home daycare, and the provider was making all the food, except I didn't think it was good enough. And they ate a lot of bunny crackers, and I was like, "No way!" Um, my fourteen-month-old is not going to eat cheese crackers every day. And so I packed her food, and so she's the only one of eight who has different food, and she hated it, like. She was acting out. She wanted their food, but she also wanted like the broccoli. Like she wanted the the chicken, like the chicken cubes. Like she wanted like the healthy food and also the cheese crackers like, and I was limiting her experiences across the board and making food into like a power struggle that just was so unpleasant. And so, and like i tried all the things i was like let's have her eat first and then she won't notice but like of course she noticed so yeah kids we got, you know i got to the <laughs> yeah so i was just like okay she can eat their food and she loves food like she is very very particular about what she loves but her enthusiasm and i'm glad that i find like i'm glad i realized that if i had kept up like limiting her ability to explore food she probably would have become less enthusiastic overall. So it's like, yes, we worry about nutrition, but like there's a whole other host of stuff that is really important.
0: Yeah. And actually I think that speaks a lot to a topic where I've talked a lot about on our podcast, you know, certainly what you eat is important, but I think there's so much importance to how you eat and how you approach it. And I often think for little kids experiences like being in a daycare or experiences at school, actually that shared meal with their peers is such an experience that I think sometimes we overlook and can actually parents are often so worried about picky eating and things of that nature. But I actually think watching your peers and the kids around you try try foods that maybe you've never tried is much more of a motivator for them to experience and try Mm -hmm. those things than, you know, me doing it or certainly me telling them that they need to try something. So I think you're exactly right. Like that can be a huge experience. Yeah. So in terms of feeding toddlers, and we kind of touched on this earlier, but toddlers are frequently known as the, the pickiest of eaters. And I know that again, as, as I would see patients in clinic, you'd go from that happy baby that readily accepted pretty much anything that you put in front of them. And then as they kind of entered the toddler and preschool years, they would, it would be very concerning to parents. They'd say he used to eat everything. Now he'll only eat, you know, this very small list of three or four foods. And they're so worried about their nutrition. And so how do you sort of approach that with your website and sort of all of the writing that you do? Obviously, people come to you, I'm sure, with questions (laughs) about that.
1: Yeah, that is like one of the most common um, questions. My 17 month old is suddenly doesn't want to eat anything I'm giving them. It's like very, very commonly between like 14, 16, 17 months. And so I try to put it in context. Um, One year olds grow less slowly than they did as babies. And so their appetite often goes down. And so Often, they're just not as hungry as we expect them to be, or they're hungry at different times than, we, than they used to be, and we interpret that as them being picky, when we're simply overestimating the amount of food that they need at that particular phase. Mm-hmm. And so if you know that, and you can just keep that in mind, it totally changes your reaction to a kid not eating. Because if you assume that they're not hungry, you remember that they're listening to their body. And you don't take it personally, and you don't consider it a problem. It's actually a good thing, that it's like they're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they're. Um, and so I do try to remind parents of that. And then also, if you think about the way that your toddler is with every other thing in their life, it's probably not easy. Like <laughs> they probably have opinions about their socks or their shoes or where they sit in the car or whether they want to get in the car or whether they want to leave or nap time. Like all of the things because their worlds are so rapidly expanding i think for some reason we expect them to sit at the table and just eat the thing that we give them but like of course they're going to have opinions about it and of course they're going to feel strongly and they don't have good impulse control and so often it comes out as like throwing or crying or some other emotion that is triggering to us because it makes us feel like we're not doing something right and i think when you've got that like coupled with what we're seeing on social media of like perfectly plated kids food or kids who do eat their vegetables and so it's like the comparison and the emotions like it just I think it like makes parents not know what to do um so it's really I mean it I am I know it's very very hard and I mean, almost every day I have people sending me messages of like, but my kid actually won't eat anything I give them. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're too focused on the food. And like you were saying, we're not thinking about the context in which they're eating it. And like, what do you do when that happens? Are you sitting and sharing the meal with your child? Are you talking to them about their day? Even if they're not super verbal, like, do they feel like they're part of the family at that time? Mm-hmm. Are they in a high chair that's like removed from the rest of the family or are they with you at the table? Are they maybe tired? <laughs> like dinner yeah. is like the worst, <laughs> like, um, you know, it's the end of the day. The kid probably just wants your attention. And instead we're like trying to get them to eat like their broccoli. And, um, and so I think it really helps when you can take your whole kid into consideration and, um, it just makes you better able to like empathize with how hard it actually is for them to be in their little bodies and like have like zero control. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And I think it's, you know, another thing I often think about is, so when I was a kid, like we ate, you know, we ate a mix of foods, but it was like, you know, like a lot of the same sorts of foods. And then I went to college. And I found out that there were all of these other foods, like <laughs> sushi and smoothies, and like all of these things I didn't know existed. I didn't eat kale until I was in my 20s, and I still don't like it. And so,
0: but, and was I, kale like, around when we were kids? Like, I feel like it made it no, debut like, sometime. sometimes. No. <laughs>
1: there was no yeah, kale yeah. in our
0: kid meals. That's for sure. But we have this expectation that kids are just
1: gonna like all of these mm-hmm. foods, and like we don't like every food. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I often think about myself as like when I'm going to go bake myself lunch, I usually want like one of two things. Yeah. And that's the same for my kids. And like and I think our expectations are just like totally out of step. Yeah. I mean, you know, of our own like it's not our, it's not our fault, but
0: yeah, it's just kind of how people are. But we expect everyone yeah. to be better and perfect. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, I think you hit on so many topics. I don't even like know where to go from there. I mean, number <laughs> it was like all true. Um, but, but I was thinking like the things that you said about, um, I think the first things you said about just like keeping in mind normal growth and development for kids. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that's common knowledge, but exactly right. That, you know, when you're a tiny baby, you're growing so fast that your appetite really keeps up with that. And then as they sort of enter those slower growth years as toddlers and preschoolers, of course the appetite slows down. But if you're not understanding that from kind of a growth and development perspective, it can look very concerning. And, right. you know, you talked about intuitive eating and I used to also, always, I guess I had lots of jokes that only I thought were funny, but <laughs> but I used to always joke that the only true intuitive eaters were the breastfed baby, because only because we couldn't really tell how much they were eating, so nobody was there right. to mess it up and and control it. Sure. Right. Yeah. So really, they're still holding on to. The, that piece of intuitive eating as a toddler and a lot of the interventions that we do as parents often because of our anxiety related to it are actually kind of acting to undo that skill that they inherently have mm-hmm. when you know the best thing we probably could be do is be doing is to foster that and maintain it for them as best we can because obviously there's lots of influences that will come right. into their life that are, that are not going to help them with that. So I think that that was a super interesting piece. And then I think just the idea of maintaining, maybe making the bigger goal is maintaining that family meal time as a happy, peaceful time, you know, in terms of that being the biggest goal versus how much food is getting into your kid. Um, right. I think taking right. that approach is huge is huge. So I think I, I really like that you bring that in and kind of give a nod to like, the best thing is if we all just sit here and have a good time. And that's even in the long yeah. run going to help us all like probably eat better. So yeah.
1: And and I think like, if you can also remember that a lot of toddlers like don't eat a ton of dinner that like, you can just like enjoy your own food and not worry.
0: <laughs> yeah, It's going to be okay. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, exactly. Like keep the whole Weak in mind, really, because the other thing yeah, that yeah. you know they've done research on is that kids will vary in the variety that they'll eat in a day and the and how much they'll eat from day to day. But usually for yeah. most normal, healthy kids, if you look at it over a week or a couple of weeks, they actually they even it out. It just doesn't look like that every every day at every meal. Right. So just to yep. kind of have faith in the fact that they they probably know what they're doing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and we should stop trying to intervene so much. So I do, I love that. Um, Another one is the question that I had was that you kind of touched on this too, was how I think that in this day and age as parents, we get a lot of pressure from just what we see online. So now we're all probably on too much on social media and looking around and like you said, everybody looks like, mealtimes are just this wondrous experience everybody's kid is you know eating their kale happily um and so how do you approach that especially as a person who um you know your whole career is really kind of putting some of this stuff out on the internet what what is your approach for that
1: yeah so that is it's hard it's really hard because um so like my recipes are competing against bloggers who are not doing kid food. They're just doing regular food. Cause a lot of the food I do can be eaten by anybody. Mm -hmm. And so I need to make sure that if someone sees that image in a Google search, they're going to think it looks as appealing as like the one next to it. But at the same time, I don't want any parent to like look at a picture and be like, "Mm, like that looks too perfect. So I think I'm, I I for sure don't do it perfectly. I think that it probably helps that I'm not a professional food stylist (laughs) (laughs) Um, because I'm not, um, like, I don't style things. Like, I just don't do a lot of extra stuff around the plate. I don't do a lot of garnishing. I'm, like, aware that most kids don't want extra stuff on their plate. And so I keep things very simple. And I think on Instagram in particular... I do actually make a concerted effort to not have everything be homemade and mm-hmm. to include like canned fruit, um, to include store bought crackers, to include things that people might like if they saw it on its own, they might be like, oh, I don't want my kid to eat that. But if you put it with other food and just have it be like goldfish crackers and then you've got all these other things. The, the instinct to judge it sort of goes down a little bit. And so I'm trying, like, and I didn't do this w- earlier in my career, but I like, am very t- intentional about it now, that I really try to um, make it harder for people to, like, be super judgy about food. <laughs> by including like a broader range of things. And I don't think that anyone will ever be like, oh, my kid will eat all of that. But I do hope that over, like in the mix of things, people will find inspiration and small ways that they can incorporate new foods um, for their family. And, you know, like the other thing is that I live in a very small town. And so I shop at just normal grocery stores. Like we have no, there's nothing fancy around. Like I often shop at Walmart Or just our regular store, and I think it's reassuring for people to see just like you know, like normal brands of food that you you don't have to buy all organic if you don't have access or funds or whatever your reason is. Because I certainly don't. I mean, I get that question a lot if I talk about groceries or show groceries, and I'm like, Have you ever been to a small town? Have you Mm -hmm. ever shopped in a place that is um, like in an inner city? Like, have you like I'd have to drive an hour to go to target. Like this is not, you know, and, but you can feed your family really well. If you're on a limited income, if you're using WIC, if you're having to just use, you know, regular food. Um, And so sort of just like leveling that playing field a little bit. And that has changed for me over the years too, just because we used to live in Des Moines where there Mm. were more options. And then it was like a big, it, it, it took me a little while to, like, figure out, the, you know, the lay of the land here. But um, I think it's been a really good experience to have that perspective of not living in a bigger city. Yeah. Um, so That was, like, a rambling answer to No, your I love question, it because
0: but. I just think it, it makes it so accessible to really anyone. And right. um, I think the other thing that I thought of, kind of as you were mentioning, like, it's food that – you would feed to your child. And so it has that nod in terms of this is food that might be easier for them to eat. It is right. nutritious, but it's tasty. It's designed for busy families. So there's not 10,000 steps to create it. Right. It doesn't have 17, you know, weird ingredients in it that I can't <laughs> find anywhere. I mean, cause I think as a parent, you just start to Life is already challenging. And so then you look right. at these things and you're like, oh, "That's not happening. And then you just kind of feel like a failure. So when you see those right. kind of things, and what i what I think you mentioned too was you know it's food that, though, as an adult, you also could eat. And I said before, too, is when I was a really young parent and I was working, and I was really busy. And so oftentimes, I think as a parent, you kind of sometimes take care of yourself. Last, and I've mentioned this, I think, before. But what I love about this is, I had I had kind of like a come to Jesus with myself at some point because you know I would specially make this food for my child, and then meanwhile I would be like, oh, I'm tired, and I'm gonna just go drive through Burger King because I deserve right. my treat or whatever. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but I had the thought process where I actually told myself at one point, I'm just gonna feed myself like a toddler because if it's not good for him it's probably right. not that good for me. And right. was, I wasn't a hundred percent on that, but it at least helped me be like, well, I'm just going to have carrot zucchini muffins too for lunch <laughs> or whatever, because it was like, right. You know, this is still, and it was, you know, it's the same kind of things. Like I was tired. I was cranky. It was easy and, and nobody
1: wants to cook two separate meals. So no. if you can enjoy the same thing, I mean, like last week I had made um, some like mini chocolate chip muffins which my kids like are obsessed with, but also I was like, these are delicious. Like (laughs) these are also going to be my snack. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's, that's like the goal. Like that's like Nirvana when you can make just the one thing and then you actually can feed yourself and everybody else and everybody's happy. It doesn't always happen. But I think also just being flexible with when you are cooking. Um, like I posted a, um, A recipe for meatballs this morning and someone was like oh I wish my kid would eat anything with sauce on it and I was like they don't have to have sauce just pull a few out before you put the sauce on them like right they can be plain like it's not it's it's still it's still the same thing like so I think sometimes thinking through just the way that we're offering the food and making really small adjustments can like
0: totally change whether or not your kid wants to eat it without any extra work for you. Right. Well, and I like on your website, too, like how real you are, because I think it kind of puts you in a place to when you're in a position like yourself and you're kind of putting this out there like, oh, here's food that toddlers love and here's food we can cook. Um, but I've seen, I, I don't know if it's on like, on your Instagram or on your website is like, I think it's easy to put yourself in a position where you can kind of feel like a imposter a little bit where you're like, oh, I made this beautiful food. I took a picture of it and my kids all threw it on the ground or whatever. But you're, yeah. you're real about it where you'll be like, this is, this is it really how it looked when I made this, or this is yeah. really, you know, I made this holding a child, you know, it wasn't right. this glamorous situation or like
1: I made this and my one of my kids asked me to wash the noodles off like exactly <laughs> that happens <laughs>
0: but I think that that to me is so like reassuring as a parent where you're like all right you know let's just be real let's make it easy enough that I can do it and be able to give right. myself the grace that once in a while I'm gonna work real hard I'm gonna be real proud of what I made and my kid's gonna go that looks funny I'm not eating it
1: yeah so. <laughs> yeah Totally. Or like something like, like it's the wrong pasta shape or like some, it's the wrong, you have the wrong fork. Like who knows?
0: Right. And just also giving a nod to how important that can be. Like, I know like we'll make pasta and then my daughter who's six will be like, is it the wagon wheels? You know, if it's the wagon wheels, (laughs) it's going to be delicious. But you know, if it's some other kind of noodle, mm, we'll see. So it (laughs) tastes right. Exactly. So do you have a favorite recipe on your website? So if people haven't been there and there's oh. like one must-see recipe, what would you advise that they check out? Uh, Okay, that's hard. but Because there's so, so many one, delicious ones.
1: <laughs> oh, so the chocolate chip muffins I was talking about. So I tried to make like a copycat of the Little Bites chocolate chip muffins. Sure. Because I kept going to the store and like, like right on the end of the baby aisle was like, boxes of these mini muffins and i was like they're really expensive <laughs> like, and there's not that many in each bag and i was like i bet i could make those and i almost never have that reaction like i am not big into like duplicating i'm like if you want the thing just buy it like yeah um but i figured out um a version of a recipe i had done for a while it uses greek yogurt they're like super moist and fluffy and so you get like a little bit more nutrition but the they stay that texture at room temperature for a lot of days and there's been a it's been fun because it's like they use all-purpose flour there are chocolate in them there is sugar in them but i and so i'm always like a little bit i'm like i don't know if this is gonna go like i don't know if people are gonna be like i can't believe you yeah <laughs> you never know like people can be very judgy about certain types of recipes but the response of like everyone in of my family will eat this I did it with blueberries and my kids loved it. Like it's, you know, it's a, you just stir everything together. There's nothing complicated about it. So that has been a fun one lately. Um, It's very versatile to you. You can make them egg-free. You can make them gluten-free. You can use milk. Like it's one of those recipes that's really hard to mess up. Unless like your baking soda isn't fresh. Like that's the only reason that it (laughs) will not work. Um, So that's a good one. So they're chocolate chip (laughs) mini muffins. Yeah, totally.
0: Before we kind of move on to the next segment, do you have any other piece of advice or takeaways that you would give our listeners, kind of our parents taking care of young kids or families from your experience?
1: Um, I think the biggest thing would probably just to remember that whatever your experience is is probably normal like it's I know it can feel like you're the only one but it, unless there is a medical issue or an issue with growth like you are probably just experiencing very very normal toddler behavior and the more you can remember that and not take it personally and not try to micromanage your way out of it
0: like the the better everybody will be. I think that's a great piece of advice. So the next segment of our show is something we call ask me anything. And I don't think (laughs) I told you about that, but it's also ask you anything, but we have a couple (laughs) of questions. Um, they'll be very, you know, PG easy to answer, Okay. (laughs) but, uh, we have a couple of questions from our listeners. And now it's time for your questions. Ask me anything with Dr. Kristen on the Feeding the Family Podcast. Okay, so the question is from Allison and the question is, my child will not eat meat. What should I do? Um, So remember that
1: not everybody likes every type of food, like number one. Uh, Number two, you can get all the nutrition that you would get from meat. Like she's probably worried about protein and iron. And so you can get those things from other foods. You don't have to eat meat. And then I would try to make sure that it's easy for your kid to eat because sometimes we we cook things and they're chewy and that is not often a very pleasant experience for a small child. So things like shredded chicken, like slow cooker chicken or instant pot chicken where it sort of (coughs) shreds and falls apart or like a meatball or ground beef, Um, chicken thighs tend to be softer than like a grilled chicken breast type of thing. So I would just maybe try, try different preparations that you like so that if they don't like it, you can eat it and you're not wasting the food. But also I would like back away from like the intense worry that there's something wrong because there's probably not anything, um, like nutritionally speaking, your kid is probably fine, even if this is, and, and it may be a very temporary phase. Like Mm -hmm. you may get to next month and they may completely change their mind.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I'm going to assume that she's talking about a younger child. And so I think like you said, number one is to remember that this is probably just developmentally normal. And I think the other thing about picky eating is I like to say, you know, it really evolutionarily makes sense because that's also usually the time when kids are starting to get mobile. And I always think of like the caveman in the woods. And so if you're child kind of wandered off into the woods, you don't want them eating every little thing that they come across, right? Right. So they're, they're supposed to have like a healthy skepticism about putting things inside of their body. So really, I always just think if you keep that in mind and they're supposed to kind of like, this means that they're growing up and that's normal, then sometimes that can be a little bit reassuring. And then if they have, if you're noticing like specific kind of larger categories of food that they're not eating would be to certainly make sure, like you said, if they're worried about protein or iron or B vitamins or things that you might think they're not getting from meats. I, I think that could be a place where you may want to consider introducing like a multivitamin. Also, just other foods that they will eat that kind of contain some of those nutrients. Um, right. But my other thing would be to make sure that you're still offering it. Like keep offering it, even though even if it's a small small amount. So you're not wasting a ton of food. But I think just that repeated exposure often will lead to acceptance in the future. And it can really, it can take a lot of exposures, I think. And show them that you like it too. Like, like,
1: you know, that thing about like, my kid will eat anything if it's on my plate. Like
0: there is a little,
1: yeah. Like if you know, our kids model what we do. And so if they, I think it's important to show them how we eat foods Um, but also that we like foods and to not do it in a way that's like trying to convince them necessarily, but just as a sharing experience of like, I love this chicken so much. And I am so excited to eat this plate. Like, you don't have to say that, but like your body, you know, they'll pick up, um, on it. So I think that that can be, that can be helpful.
0: Totally. Well, I think, and to your point too, not to make a big deal about it, Because I think at that age is also kind of normal to be sort of exerting your independence a little bit. And so you don't want it to become a battle of wills with your child. So not to make a big deal about it, just kind of let them come to the conclusion because obviously you seem to be enjoying it so much, maybe they'll come around and give it a try. (laughs) Okay, the question is how do we use desserts as a reward, as a punishment that can be taken away if you don't eat so much of your meal or just as part of the meal, like served with the regular? food? So this could be like its own episode, right? Right? (laughs) Um,
1: So I think, I think that there, there's been a lot of talk um, about like having all food be neutral and which I uh, sort of like half agree with. I think it's important to be able to present foods without priming your kids that one is better than the other and not having food be transactional so that they don't have to eat one thing in order to earn another thing, because that is a very confusing and sort of misleading message to send to kids, especially as they get older and have to make some of those decisions on their own. But I I do think it's okay if there is like a an emotional comfort level mm-hmm. connection to foods that taste really good. And, and I don't think that there's ever gonna be a kid who, like, it's okay if they like cake or ice cream or a certain type of cookie. Like, our goal is not to make them like those foods less. Our goal is to make make the, like, need to eat them all because they don't know when they're ever going to see them again yeah. not feel so, um, like, dramatic. And so we, we want our kids to be able to eat a couple cookies and then, like, eat the rest of their dinner and get up and go play. And it to not be a long drawn out negotiation. Um, so in our house, my kids usually have a small dessert with their dinner because I, I personally do not want to deal with the questions after dinner. Mm. We move fairly quickly from dinner into like bedtime routine. And I don't want to spend time on like can I have this? Can I have this? Can I have this? And so I just make that decision for them and just give them some chocolate chips or whatever it might be. And then usually on the weekend, we'll like go as a family and go get ice cream, or we have experiencers around food that are more special. And so I think it's okay to do both. Like, I don't know that there's a right answer, but I don't, I think it can, it can be exhausting if you use dessert as a reward because then every time you encounter something, <laughs> yeah. you have to like figure out like what purpose it's serving, and did they do this thing, and and it's just like, and especially when you have kids who are doing activities and they're handed things or they go to school, like it's it can be so mentally exhausting to like track all of that stuff. So I think the more you can treat everything as just food, some foods we see more on our plates than others, yeah, um, and it's it's okay if we
0: have more intense feelings about some of them. So do you serve the dessert usually at the same time as the rest of the food? Yep. Because I think that that, that's a piece and something I've seen suggested a lot. And I, I think that almost this whole conversation is really just developed out of the processed food world, because I guarantee if we all had to make the cake or the pie or the cookies that we're going to be fed every day, there'd be a lot fewer of them because I certainly wouldn't be baking a cake every day for my family. So some of it is just kind of a product. I think of how easy and accessible those foods are for us now. But um, I totally agree with you. I think when you start to get into this transactional, um, either earning or being punished for how much you ate of other food, it certainly makes You know, if I have to eat so many vegetables to get my treat, I already understand the vegetables are like the work or the job and they're no fun. Right. Um, Right. And so like, I think it's going to make me like them less. And also that's, I mean, I would say most of us as an, as an adult are not like, well, I'm going to eat three broccoli so I can eat a cookie. Right. So it's not really even doesn't translate to real life as an adult. So, and, and also I think a
1: lot of what's happening is when, when we're trying to get to like get our kids to eat in certain foods before they have their dessert is we want them to be full. And so they eat less of the dessert, Mm. which is like, that's coming out of like a body image diet culture thing where we think the dessert is bad and we don't think our kids should actually have it. And that makes me very uncomfortable because if we're, if we have food in our house and we're going to give our kids food, I think we should give them permission to eat it. Yeah. if we're giving them something and then being like, "Oh wait, like you don't, you we shouldn't actually have that," like that's very unfair and it's very confusing for small kids. And so, like another another common question that typically goes along with this is like how you talk about dessert foods, like whether you call it a treat or a fun food or whatever the thing might be. And I'm just like, just call it what it is. Like, call a cookie a cookie. Call it doesn't have to be like a big like it's cake. This is yeah.
0: broccoli. Like. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> totally. Well, and I think that the other thing I always think of is because like for me growing up, you know, if we were going to have dessert, we it wouldn't often be f- served with the rest of the meal. So in my head, you know, traditionally you're like eat the food and then you have dessert, and that's kind of how it works at restaurants and things like that. But right. I think something that if somebody's a little uncomfortable with that trying it, I think School lunches were often served that way and you would get yep. everything on your plate all or your tray all at once. And I'm sure that there were times or sometimes where the kid ate only the dessert or ate the dessert first. But I don't really remember that being the habit like now or right. when we were growing up, you'd eat some of your food and with the dessert with it or after maybe. And so I think, again, it goes to if we sometimes a more hands off approach, kids actually inherently I think have a lot of those skills if we allow them to yep. Yep. <laughs> to do that. So well thank you so much, Amy. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's I, been so fun. Yeah, thank you. And I want to make sure that everyone knows, you know, if they haven't already to go ahead and <laughs> visit your website, yummytoddlerfood.com. And your kids' cookbook is also available on Amazon, correct? That's the easiest way for them to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, any anywhere else where they could find your good stuff? Um, well,
1: I'm on Instagram. I'm Yummy Toddler Food, and you can actually find the cookbook. It's called Busy Little Hands Food Play. It's available at any bookstore. So if you prefer to shop at somewhere other than Amazon, just find your local independent store or on Amazon. It has been on sale on Amazon for um, a few weeks now. So if you're looking for like an early or like a gift for a kiddo, it's a good time to snap one up.
0: Awesome. That's a great idea. And again, please, if you're enjoying our podcast, make sure you subscribe to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. Leave us reviews and comments. We much appreciate that. And we look forward to joining you again next week for another episode. Thanks so much.